used to think time was my enemy My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day Finally made a friend of time Now you could say that I'm Aging gratefully Broadcasting from the rolling hills of the beautiful Tennessee Valley from the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Across this amazing nation and spanning the universe, you're listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, bringing you exceptional guests and novel information to ensure you age great, live full, and embrace each extraordinary day for the incredible gift it is. We broadcast on all your favorite players brought to you all over the world. Welcome to Aging Gratefully, most amazing listeners. So happy you're joining the show today. It makes me smile to welcome each and every one of you. So with that, let's strike our signature pose, our global Grinfest self-care that is shareable as I welcome you to your today. How lucky are we to do so? Even if you are not having the best day, smiling can actually make you feel a little better and boost your mood, or you can smile at someone else and improve theirs. That's the great thing about our smiling spandemics. We have another great show lined up for you today, so thank you for sharing it like you've been doing. Love seeing those countries we're charting in on Apple Podcasts. So awesome. And we appreciate your reviews. If you value our messages, please go into Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform you listen on and leave us a positive show review and let us know you appreciate our efforts and guests. We cherish being paid in gratitude and are grateful for each of you. So today, I want you to imagine walking along the beach, picking up seashells and discovering a bottle that has washed ashore. It's an old vintage bottle, green glass, How it withstood the sea's chaos is a mystery. But there you are with this bottle, and you decide to pick it up and inspect it. You've never seen a bottle quite like this one. You wonder if there's a note inside, like you've read about people receiving from far-off lands. So you shake it to see if there's anything inside this cloudy, green, mystery glass you've serendipitously discovered. This day on the beach, there's nobody around. Just you and some seagulls, and the sun is shining bright. You got out early today in hopes of gathering the best seashells. You never bargained on this find. Where had this bottle been? What story could it tell? What land had it originated from? Was it meant for you and only you, or any passerby? You shake it again, and you are certain there is something inside. It has one of those flip-top lids that hinge open and closed. You decide not to throw it back to sea or wait until you get home, but instead sit in the sand right then as the suspense is more than you can bear. There's something about this bottle. So you put it in your lap and flip that top open. You look down into the neck of the bottle. Your face is hit with what is perhaps just some built-up, trapped, foggy pressure from within. 
and nothing is inside but whatever gas escaped. Oh well. You start to toss the bottle back into the ocean, but then you hear, Hello? Hmm. You look down the beach to the left and see no one. You look to the right down the beach, not a soul. Are you hearing things you think to yourself? Hello? You hear again. You jump up and turn around and behold, standing right behind you where you have been sitting with that bottle is what appears to be a genie. A genie? Wait, what? Greetings, fair one. Thank you. Wow, things were tight in there and the air much less than desirable. You wonder if you are seeing things. You pinch yourself. You look around. There's nobody else to ask if they see a genie too. So you decide to engage. Um, hello? Oh, good. You speak. This will be easy. Great. Obviously, I'm in your debt. You know how this goes. No surprises here. Here it is. Your wish is my command. La-da-da-da-da. You know the drill. In other words, what do you aspire? What? You reply. Your wish. My wish? Have you never read about genies in bottles? Are you the only person who has never read about genies in bottles before? I'm your genie in a bottle, dude. I'm here to give you a wish. And now that you've set me free, I'm ready to live my life. So tell me your wish so I can get to it. That bottle hasn't been any fun, by the way. I've got some catching up to do. I want to ride the wave of life. No more oceans for me. Chop, chop your dreams, your aspirations. What do you want right here, right now? You know, your wish, my command. Dude, people live for this moment. Uh, uh, um, okay, I don't know. I'm just out here collecting seashells. I just wanted to find a nice seashell today. Oh, granted, done, ta-da, genie out. Wait, nope, that's your wish, one wish, wait. And in that moment, the genie was gone, and the gentleman had a very nice seashell in his hand. Oh, and that bottle to remember the moment by. You see... Sometimes we get so caught up in day-to-day life, we forget about how to get to the living part. There's being alive, aging rebels, and there's living. If a genie showed up in your life, what do you aspire? Because nothing is impossible, because the word impossible literally says, I'm possible. And that means at every stage, we are seizing our dreams, not wondering what they are. Today's show dedication is to the word aspire. It's a verb, and it means to direct one's hopes or ambitions towards achieving something. And our aging gratefully alphabet suit for the psyche this week is never put an age limit on your dreams. Today's guest may not be a genie in a bottle, but he is undoubtedly renowned for helping others bring their visions to reality to create the positive futures they desire and aspire. Reiner Lom is the founder of Boomerang Coach, an executive coaching firm specializing in leadership and career development, innovation, and transformational change. Reiner's mission is to mobilize and develop leaders to create a more sustainable and positive future for all. As an executive coach, he works with leaders and changemakers in a wide range of organizations from startups and multinational companies to nonprofits and local communities 
all who aspire to create transformational change, whether he's working with corporate executives, entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, or indigenous tribal leaders, Reiner's clients appreciate his international business and cross-cultural leadership experience. Before becoming an executive coach, Reiner had a 30-plus year career in technology, started and developed software businesses, and led leadership development. Today, Reiner is here to offer wisdom from his new book, Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, No Matter Where You Are. In it, he addressed the seven critical emotions you must master if you are to be an effective and empowering leader who aspires to create positive change. His book leads us to discover how to positively influence key stakeholders, build trust, lead with optimism, ride the waves of negative emotions, mobilize people to take action, and choose resiliency in the face of setbacks. You can learn more about his work by visiting him at www.reinerlom.com. It is with great pleasure. So excited you're with us today, Reiner. Welcome to the Aging Gratefully Show. Thank you, Holly. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh my goodness. We're so excited. And I love the title of your book, Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, No Matter Where You Are. You had me at No Matter Where You Are. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Yes, because some people think that this may not be for them. And you're saying right from the get-go, it doesn't matter where you are. Change is possible for you. Positive change. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting that uh, the more, as part of uh, making this book known to to more and more people, as people come from different parts of life that I didn't even expect, you know, early childhood development, teachers, uh, not just corporate leaders, they are obviously too, and startup uh, entrepreneurs, et cetera, community leaders, et, et cetera, but also people every day uh, as, in, as part of everyday life, you know, parents raising their children and so on and saying, oh, everybody should learn these, uh, these emotions, these emotion-based uh, uh, leadership skills or competencies, and they will benefit from it. People walking down the beach, meeting genies. It could be anybody, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we never know. Uh-huh. Uh, so I uh, absolutely uh, love that you've created this work and what inspired you to do it. It's really, um, I think it's very novel because a lot of times in business, we hear keep your emotions out of it. And what you have done as is you have done the one thing that we're told not to do. Um, and you have actually woven emotions right into it and uh, you have made it the pillar of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so your question of what inspired me, uh, th- there's many things in my life that inspired me, but one is my own experience in, in leading with emotions. Uh, and that's not something that I woke up one morning and I learned, I had to learn over time. Um, all the way from my childhood and going through, you know, my different uh, careers that I had and so on. And and I would say leading with emotions was one of the most powerful way of leading for me. And I, but it, I, I didn't become conscious until maybe 25 years ago or so that I really was doing it before it was more unconsciously. But the other thing was, um, as I was like at the height of my corporate career, I was thinking about the world that I leave behind and the huge challenges we have. You know, we're talking about climate change and social and economic divide and racial divide and wars and 
you know, mass migrations and so on. And uh, I care, I, I have empathy for future generations, not just for the current generation, but even the people that are not born yet. But I have children, I have grandchildren myself, but I really care about all children, all people. And I care about what what kind of world we leave for them. Are they going to have the chance that we have to create a fulfilled life of meaning and, and, and happiness and so on? Do we have at least a chance? Will they have a chance? And so those those big challenges we have, we can only solve if we work together, if we, we cooperate, if we collaborate. But we are. I grew up in a divided country in in, in Germany. I grew up on the yes. West German side of the of the of the Iron Curtain, and uh, that was a physical barrier. But uh, now I live in the United States, and we again. I live in a, in a divided country, but this times we have emotional barriers: resentment, anger fear, uh, hatred, and so on, they keep us from working together. So those big challenges that I was just talking about, we can solve if we work together. And so I observed that we need a new leadership paradigm, not a leadership paradigm that divides just for gaining more power, but a, a leadership paradigm that unites us so we can solve these big issues that really matter for, for us today and for the future of our children and grandchildren. Yes, so um, you actually experienced the fall of the Berlin Wall, the negotiations that led to the reunification of Germany. Um, you actually have a really um, interesting background as it relates to a lot of this in um, your childhood. Yeah, I, I was a very close observer, right? So um, I have relatives both on, on, on the East German side and the West German side, even you know in other countries like Czech Republic, where my mother comes from. So I'm emotionally very close to, I was emotionally very close to what happened there. And the observations that I made that did lead, the peaceful revolution that did lead to, um, uh, to the reunification of Germany, at first to the fall of the Berlin Wall and then to the reunification, has so many lessons in emotional skills like for example the uh, what what uh, the east germans um, were living for decades in fear uh, and and um, hopelessness and not actually acting together towards demanding freedom and, and democracy but then in, in in 1989 um, suddenly the mood shifted the, the mood shifted to hopefulness and optimism despite the huge threats they had People, when they demonstrated, they were put in jail, they were beaten up, they, they lost, lost their livelihood and so on. And suddenly a, a mood shift happened. And that mood shift, that shift in emotions allowed them to create the peaceful revolution. And each person that participated in this made a difference. Mm -hmm. So the number of people demonstrating from after the summer, the beginning of September 1989 to mid to end of October, in, in the city of Leipzig was growing from a handful of people to 320,000 people, just in a few weeks in a city of 500,000 people where more people were watching, uh, sorry, were marching in the street than were watching from the windows. Mm -hmm. And they, they had become such a force that the, the Secret Service and, and the East German police could not uh, beat them up anymore or put them in jail. It was just too many. And then millions in other cities followed. And and then we know the story. November 9th, uh, it brought that that pressure of of millions of people brought down the wall. Yes, and you believe that anyone is a leader, um, and that that you work with a variety of different kinds of change makers. And do you, 
I guess I'm asking you, do you believe that anybody has a leadership ability in them and that they can tap into that for positive change? Is that how you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, you're asking the, the age-old question that I have been asked many times, are leaders born or are they made, right? Mm -hmm. Can can somebody learn to become a, a leader? Mm -hmm. And what I observed, uh, what makes you a leader is the behavior, the leadership behavior, the behavior of a leader, right? But what drives our behavior, right? It's not coming from just we decide tomorrow we want to lead. That's not enough. We need to feel also. We need to have the aspiration is actually an emotion. Mm -hmm. Right, aspire is the verb to aspire to something to make the world a better place. To something we deeply care about. So everybody that uh, uh, that cares about something deeply mm -hmm. and aspires to create a change, being it in their personal life. Then mm -hmm. we talk about maybe self leadership. If we talk about their family, mm -hmm. that's also leadership. Then it's a family leader. If it's a community small community or bigger community, if it's an, a company, mm -hmm. uh, uh, at what, whatever scale. So I believe that everybody can change starting with themselves, changing their own behavior first, and then influencing the behavior of others. And if somebody is a leader already, if somebody, you know, we, we always start with, I've done leadership development in the corporate world for quite a while, and we always start with self-leadership, because one cannot lead others if the person is not able to lead themselves. So yes. that's where it starts, right? So yes, everybody can be a leader. The scale might, people might differ in scale. Mm -hmm. I might influence the behavior of one person, or I might influence the behavior of five or 10, 100, or maybe 1,000, or if, you know, or millions, like some of the big movements, like a peaceful revolution, like bringing the wall down, and, and but also other, uh, many other examples we can talk about. Yes, so... As it relates to growing older uh, and those feeling like they don't have anything that they aspire to anymore, that uh, the best of life is behind them and that they lack enthusiasm and they, you know, um, aren't sure, they can't answer the question as to what they aspire what would you say to those individuals that they don't feel any leadership ability? They don't feel that they have a voice. What would you say to people that feel that way? Yeah, I, I, and I understand that. I, I have many conversations, had many conversations uh, around the world. I was traveling and working around the world, and I had these conversations many times. I have not found a single person of the hundreds and thousands of conversations that I had that they did not have something they deeply cared about. Uh, so I'll give you an example. I was once sitting with a CEO, a female CEO, and I asked her the question. Uh, I would always have conversations about what do you do? And, and then they asked the question back and the, the energy would be kind of medium, no medium energy, medium level. Then what I, when this, this part of the conversation was covered, I say, okay, if you, if you had the choice and you wouldn't do what you do right now, what is it you really would do, what you really wanted to do? And it was always something different. It was something people deeply cared about. So maybe somebody who is 40, 50, 60, has elder parents, cares about how to take care of their elders, how they uh, live in dignity. No? Somebody has children might think about, you know, early childhood development or, uh, college or education, or, or somebody might think about um, maybe, you know, some cities don't have good water, clean water, and say, oh, I, I care about 
clean water or some, mm -hmm. you know, we had these big fires, right? People say, oh, I want, so whatever it is, if you live in Europe right now, you, you, you care about peace, right? You care mm -hmm. about that there's a war and you would like to have peace. And the question is then, everybody has something. Let's say somebody is mentally still able to articulate that for themselves. Right, is conscious about it. Now, if you reach an age, let's say my mother, she's 96, she has dementia. Sure, she's carrying something, but she's not able to express it so much. Mm -hmm. No, she would maybe she uses when I visit her, she uses maybe five to ten words in total. Right, that's a mm -hmm. different. That's a different. But she still cares about something, right? But not in that sense that she could create a big change or so. But I'm saying like somebody that's healthy and 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 can articulate and can have a conversation about it and self-reflection, saying, what is it you deeply care about? And then identifying this, what change would I like ideally to see? Mm -hmm. And who whose behavior do I need to change, starting with my own behavior? And how do I do this? And that's mm -hmm. where emotions come in, right? So I do a lot of... Uh, facilitating innovation in, in organizations, startups, large organizations, communities, and so on. These are the questions I'm asking the leaders. Ask them, what is your, what do you care about? What do you ideally would like the future to look like? If you had a magic wand or you, or genie would ask you, right? Like you did a genie out of the bottle and it's, you have only one wish, but there's no limit to what you can wish for. And it will hundred percent come through this kind of, Imagine there were no limitations. What would you dream of? What world would you dream of for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for your community, for your children? And, and then getting out of that box and envisioning that future. But that, that's the first step. But then going back and say, now that I have that future, what do I need to do today to get towards that future? And it has very often to do with mobilizing people to help you create that future. And you start small. You always start small. And so my premise is, that, and, and what I'm claiming is that everybody can create change starting small. Everybody can start with themselves. So let's say if I care about climate change, I can start exchanging my light bulbs and put more energy uh, uh, friendly light bulbs in my house, right? Mm -hmm. Or I can start to plant a tree tomorrow or two or three or four if I have mm -hmm. the place to plant them, right? Or, or the, I can think about many, many other things uh, that somebody can do, but then I can also talk to my neighbors or my friends or my family to influence them. And I, then I can extend that circle. And so the idea is basically that the emotions, you need to feel those emotions that make you do these things. You need to mm -hmm. feel empathy with the future generation mm -hmm. or your neighbors. You need mm -hmm. to feel compassion, which is a commitment to serve the needs of, of the people. And you need to be interested to understand Mm -hmm. what can I do or what is even needed to be done? Or what do people need that I want to serve, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how, where the emotions come in and they drive the right behavior. Yes. And so these also work um, using and, you know, kind of tapping into these emotions, do these work for personal goals as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a very good question. This is a very good question. I, I think, you know, what do people ch are challenged for, right? So some, today, there's a lot, I, I was reading, um, uh, regularly I get these updates from Gallup, you know, they do these surveys in the world, and, and so they, for the last 20 years or so, they have done these happiness reports mm -hmm. in all countries, not all, maybe 
150 or so, maybe not in all, but many, many countries around the world. And uh, people were never unhappier than today. Their personal happiness, so their so outlook on life, their, mm -hmm. yeah, their uh, lack of optimism, being pessimistic mm -hmm. about the future, things like that. So they, they assess these kind of questions. And so you need to ask what, what would make people happier, right? What would have to happen in their life? And so people can articulate, they can say maybe, oh, I need a job that makes enough money so I, you know, that I can feed my children and, and I can live in a decent place. Or they might say, um, I, I'm uh, I'm working so much, let's say people in the healthcare system, right, during the pandemic, burned out or teachers, I think uh, I need more balance, I need a little bit more breaks, maybe I need a vacation and things like that. But in order to create anything you want to create in life, it, creates, it needs a behavior change on your side. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you need to have the, the emotions at the most powerful drivers of our behaviors. Okay, so for example, uh, when we go through a tough time, our behaviors we need in that moment is to be resilient, so that we overcome adversities, that we overcome setbacks. Let's say we lose a job, or we have we get sick from 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 a pandemic and things like that. That we have the resilience to overcome those and it requires certain behaviors but in order to have those we need to be in the right emotional state that make us show and demonstrate those behaviors and those emotions are um, whole palette of positive emotions for example right if you go to a loss right it goes to a loss and you're grieving you're sad and you're suffering from it what emotions do you need in addition to the craving, to the sadness that you that you're experiencing, in order to make it through it, you cannot just stay in the craving process all the time. You can maybe crave a little bit, but only craving and being, you know, all the time uh, will basically destroy your life. You're not able to do anything else. You're not be able to take care of your family. I had losses uh, to close family members uh, tragically during the pandemic in back in Germany, and so I had to crave and I. I was just writing this book, uh, Aspire, and uh, and so I practiced a lot of the uh, emotional competencies that I that I've been writing about, and it 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 was it worked wonders for me. Yes, so it helped me. So I set some personal goals, almost on a day-to-day -day basis, to get through the day, and by practicing these emotions. In this case, what I did, I identified sources of positive emotions that could balance. The, the emotions of suffering and grief and sadness that I was feeling from the loss to balance it off so that I had a balanced life and it wandered, it, it worked wonders for me. Yes. It's yeah. so important for us to acknowledge our emotions. And I want to continue this conversation on the other side of break um, and, and kind of weave in how important passion and purpose is too, if you're willing. Absolutely. Great. Don't go anywhere because this fantastic conversation will continue today. We're so grateful to be with Ryder Lum talking all things leading with positive change, regardless of where you are in life. And his book, Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, no matter where you are in life. And I invite you to visit him and learn more about his work at www.reinerlom.com. By the way, I know you out there love our show's theme song. And for new listeners, that's Jim Beloff's Aging Gratefully. You can find that in his album, Dreams, I Left in Pockets. And you will love every, every song in that album. But of course, my favorite is always going to be Aging Gratefully. It's absolutely amazing. And... 
I mean, just add it to your playlist so you can age gratefully every single day of the week. I mean, I do. And so I absolutely play that all the time, not just when the show is airing. So I know you guys absolutely have um, grown very fond of that song. Special thanks to you out there, my awesome aging rebels tuning in from all over the world. And we are broadcasting everywhere. I see that you are just taking in the show from so many places. It's exciting to see where you are. And we're charting in countries that are just putting us on the Apple podcast charts. I really appreciate it. Thank you for making us a top show on aging. Thank you, Feedspot, for putting us in the lineup now four years in a row. We really appreciate it. A top show on aging worldwide. And we really appreciate that you do. Uh, thank you. And I haven't told you, Aging Rebels, that you rock and you role model and you do. And I love that you do. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ani Anderson, author of Find Your Soul's Agenda. And I think that Holly Kelly's Aging Gratefully is such a wonderful show. And we should all listen to it to learn how to never act our age. The Ladder Life Planning Institute is the ultimate guidance for life's inevitable destiny and your path to passionate aging and inspirational advanced care planning. LLPI offers tools that educate, inspire, and enlighten. Live vibrantly, plan thoughtfully, age dynamically. Visit LLPI for business and individual consulting services. Professional and keynote speaking, books, workshops, education, webinars, and resources. LLPI is here to transform your ladder life living today. Visit them at ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com. Live extraordinary, age dynamically. Visit ladderlifeplanninginstitute.com. Hey folks, you've been listening to The Aging Gratefully Show, and I am after Chris Toomey. Blessed for each gifted day, it's best to experience each of them to the fullest. Recently, I had the joy of experiencing the Bell Buckle, Tennessee Fall Arts and Crafts Festival. So much fun. The smells of the food trucks floating through the air, the many booths of handmade crafts, face painting for the kids, and modern collectibles. The sound of a blacksmith hammering away on hot metal, like music of a bygone era forging a modern yet old world masterpiece. Tired and yet with a smile on my face at the end of that beautiful Saturday, I left grateful, belly full, and arms laden with gifts. Blessed for having been exposed to this, I am happy. Age is just a number, my friends. Get up, get out, and enjoy everything and every day. You'll be better for it. Life is forward. With that being said, let's get back to the show with our awesome host, gerontologist, Holly Kelly. Thank you so much, best listeners and guests. We have another wonderful guest with us today in the entire planet. And I just happen to be an authority on that. I'm not an authority on a ton of things, but I, I'll say I'm an authority on we do have the most amazing listeners, and I'll tell you what, our guests, I mean, they're amazing too. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly, here today with Reiner Lum, who promotes just really tapping into your emotions so that we can lead change and that you can tap into your leadership ability and you can actually 
have all of the things that you aspire. Uh, I really appreciated that he put this in his title, no matter where you are, because some of us think sometimes in life that it's not us and that we think that we are not empowered to bring great things to our lives or to the world around us. So I really felt that that spoke to me when I chose this topic for the show. So I uh, want you to visit him at www.reinerlom.com. And before we resume the conversation, I want to give our listener shout out to an Apple listener who gave us five stars and wrote, Holly Kelly weaves together seamless conversations with her guests, artfully bringing her knowledge and insights into the flow of each dialogue. She is so in tune with her listeners. It makes you feel like you're sitting in the room with her. Thank you. We do try for that. And she's speaking directly to you. I love her mission of helping people move gratefully through life. She brings an uplifting element to my week. Well, your review brought an uplifting element to my week. Thank you for leaving them. We really appreciate it. And uh, you know what else we appreciate? We appreciate today's guest. Visit him at reinerlom.com where you will learn more about his life-enhancing work, including his speaking, his coaching, his workshops, and you can purchase his books. His latest one, Aspire, that we're talking about today, he's also written The Boomerang Approach. And so you want to check that one out too, which uh, that book is pretty interesting. That uh, Return to Purpose, Ignite Your Passion. So that one's um, got a lot going on in it as well. Uh, and I said after break, we would be talking about purpose and passion. So kind of referencing that previous book, how important is it that we hang on to that? Because just like in the opening monologue, this gentleman was like given this genie to provide him with his one wish and... I see this a lot as we grow older. We spend a lot of time serving others, being something, being um, a breadwinner, being a parent, and being a provider, but we forget our dreams, our passion, our purpose. And here we are in this chance where this genie was giving him a wish, and he was like, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, he was not prepared, no? He was not mm -hmm. prepared to yeah, answer that so question we, for himself. We forget. We forget our yeah. dreams along life's wayside. So yeah. how important is it for us to continue to mine our passion and purpose? Yeah, it, I, I think it's 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 true for everybody at, at, at any age, but especially, especially when we uh, when we age. Uh, and you you uh, you painted a scenario where we go through life, we we go through school, and maybe some of us or many of us have been directed uh, from our parents or teachers or mentors or whatever in a certain direction. Very often, very rational and practically minded, you know, to make a living and you know build a home and to have a, a economically safe safer future, maybe if, if possible. But uh, yes, many uh, people I have talked to um, around the world and over several decades, I have gathered that data and collected that data before actually I wrote uh, the boomerang approach. Uh, when I talked to them, was that what I said before, like you ask people what they are doing and they are oh, they're OK. You know, they, they love what they're doing, but they are not totally passionate about it very often. Many 
have not chosen to do the work. They have chosen a field in which they make a living. Some are luckier, you know. Uh, and so as I discovered that, um, I was starting to, um, like, the way I discovered this was basically because I held always two, two types of conversations. One was, what do you do currently? And then ask, so if you wouldn't do what you, or have to do what you're doing right now, what would you actually do? And then people always, there was not a single person that did not have something they were passionate about, something they deeply cared about, and it had always something to do with purpose, right? And so then I asked the question, so when, when so are you planning to, to get back to that? And they would say, yeah, once, uh, once I have done this, I need to do this thing and this thing and, you someday, know, like. Someday. Yeah, one day, someday. Then I looked at, uh, I did actually a survey, systematically a survey, and I asked many, many people, I said, so what is it actually uh, that keeps you from doing this? Now you have something you care about, something you're passionate about, something where you'd like to create a change, and you, 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 you made the commitment to yourself, you will get to it once it's the right time. So what keeps you from doing it right now? And it was nine out of 10 people, so 90%, nine out of 10 people said, uh, I'm afraid this, uh, it was economic fear. It was basically saying, if I focus on what I like to do, it is a change in the middle of my life or later in my life. And I'm not sure if I make it financially in this new career or new profession or new type of work. And that inspired me then to, uh, to I developed the workshop and I developed the coaching approach, uh, the boomerang approach. And I did uh, workshops around the world for that. And then one day I said, I, I need to write a book so I reach more people. And that's when I published The Boomerang Approach, which is a, 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 um, a straightforward approach to help people to find their purpose and ignite their passion, basically. But using, rather than saying, oh, I start something completely new as if it was a fresh, you know, fresh start, no, you, people have a lot of experience, they have talents, they have strengths, they have education, uh, experiences in their past life. So how can you take that forward? That you're not starting from scratch, so it becomes much easier to take that. That's what I did with my transitions. So I have also modeled it. I had three big careers, one developing technologies for, for many, many years, one developing businesses and growing them globally, and one in developing people, which I've been now doing for the last 10 to 15 years, and I'm very passionate about. And so uh, so I have been modeling that what I'm, what I'm teaching and coaching about and writing about as well in, in Boomerang Approach. Yes, we all just have this treasure trunk of wisdom that we already have. We don't have to go mine it somewhere. We literally have it right now yes that's that, that is true it, sometimes it, it uh, uh, we, we are absorbed with what we do with daily living making it from one day to the next right so mm -hmm. the kids the house the work the you know daily life uh, commute whatever it is uh, clients and whatever we work on uh and that 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 clouds us a little bit so we need to be able to step back and take some breaks Sometimes it's a weekend, maybe it's like, you know, sometimes it's a mini vacation, sometimes maybe a longer vacation if we can afford it. So to step back and then do, do that reflective work, maybe sometimes it helps to, to, to articulate it with, to somebody else. 
So that, that's where coaching helps, for example. But a friend can do that as well, having a meaningful conversation. Uh, I ask always people, what is it my, my wife loves sometimes with new people that we may, meet for the first time. So what is it that you're passionate about? And my, my wife always cracks up and says, how can you be so forward and straightforward? And people, I said, well, my experience is people love to talk about what they're passionate about. Uh, it's, it's for me a, a better question than ask, what do you absolutely hate? No. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> then it I goes, mean, you might as well downward. get right to it, right? Because I mean, when, once you wind them up, I mean, that's probably a great conversation to start with. Yeah, and, and people don't have to answer it. I they say this is private, right? But, uh, but uh, I, I like to talk about what I'm passionate about uh, mm -hmm. to inspire others. No? Yes. So, I praise our family, our global family of listeners. I call them aging rebels. Not, um, I ask them to be a little rebellious in a good way. I use um, rebellion as to be stakeholders and independent thinkers, uh, to push back on the narrative of what uh, growing older looks like, and to not give in to society's depiction of aging. That's why we call them aging rebels. Um, that, you know, old is not this decrepit, I've fallen and I, you know, um, like weak and vulnerable, but that we are empowered and that we are emboldened. And I praise them for being role models and showing the world what positive aging looks like. And I'm so proud of our listening audience. And I feel that they have a leadership responsibility for changing the narrative that some of society depicts about growing older to their peers, to other people, to their grandchildren and stuff like that. And so when you said that um, and write that anybody can lead with positive change no, no matter where they are, um, that really spoke to me to bring your work to them because uh, I feel that that's kind of right up their alley as they're so empowered to be good role models about growing older. What do you feel is important as far as it relates to how we grow older and what we say to the world about that journey? Yeah, oh, well, this is a big topic and, uh, and close to my heart. <laughs> I, uh, I I really am uh, a believer, uh, and I have seen that with my parents and grandparents, that people can both um, live a satisfied and fulfilling life into old age, as long as they stay healthy. And obviously, if you know somebody has to take care of their health, suddenly there's a health breakdown, then, then that becomes an emergency, and somebody needs to take care of that immediately. But let's say somebody is 80, 90, 95% okay and, 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 and can uh, still, you know, uh, do a lot of things, uh, then, the, then each person brings a wealth of experience, brings a wealth of passion, but also the emotion, the love and care and empathy and compassion. And, and I have seen like the, 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 the contribution somebody makes might change. Right. So my father had a, a cabinet maker business in the village, small village in Germany where I grew up, and we had also a small farm. And then when my father got old, he was in his 70s, and I had been moved, have moved away and I traveled and worked around the world. But when I come back now, my father had died a long time ago. The, the, 
people that were children at that time said, oh, your father did, he built this toy for me with wood and this and for the whole village, for every child got such a wooden toy like the stelzes where you walk on and things like that. And I said, well, he did this, yeah. He was like, until the end, until he you know, could not do it anymore, he would still do those types of things and he would get tremendous joy and fulfillment out of it. And he made a contribution to that small community, the small village, and to, to the people, and they still, still talk highly of him. But also, I think it has two benefits. One is one's own health and feeling happy and being part of something, of community. And, and if it's only one person you, you, whose life you make better, right? And the other is the, the bigger, um, like to be part of a bigger system of change. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. To get, not, not to be like, uh, and I know that from indigenous people, uh, indigenous uh, society communities I work with, I work with different tribes, elders have, have held in high regard. So they are called elders. They are not called old. They're called yes. elders. Yes. And, there's an, and, and, and they're there's revered the regu- and respected, right? Absolutely. And there's mm-hmm. an elder, there's a regular council that, that governs the, the community or the, the tribe, mm-hmm. its government, but there's also an elder council. Yes. When we when I work with them and we, we develop new vision and new strategies and programs to bring the tribe forward, the elder council is always consulted. So I'm always interviewing not only the current leaders, but also the elders that are considered like the wise people. They, ha- they have something to offer. Different, but, but because it's different, it gives a new perspective. It gives more typically a more long-term perspective because they have a longer time horizon we have seen it all so we can look further into the future because we can look further into the past and there's all these benefits and then people bring then obviously their own professional experience their own family experience they all you know some have been veterans they have been in some have been in two wars maybe in the korean war maybe in the vietnam war some maybe had been you know in afghanistan or whatever so tremendous life experience of tragedy and they bring that into the community and they bring a perspective that the young people they, because the life experience they cannot have yet right it's a different lens that they can give young people to look through at the world and create new possibilities for actions that were not possible that the younger generation could not see. That's that's a big advantage that that aging people have. And I don't like old and young because it's not a, a binary process. I mean, the retirement thing has made it like this. It's this when you reach this age, then your retirement age. I know, age. I know. But it's a great, it's a, uh, we, all, we all age, but we, we start mm-hmm. aging when we are born, right? Oh, yes, we and are we aging, aging until we a, die. <laughs> a newborn baby is aging and you and I are aging. I mean, everybody's doing it. Nobody is escaping the process, right? Yeah. So so I, I really I really see that. But it's also it's not only the let's say the aging um, uh, population or people that is responsibility, but it's also the younger generation to honor and value that. I'm so glad that you brought all of that up. I studied a lot of that, um, the tribal communities and um, the elders and things like that. And I really appreciate how they revere and incorporate the wisdom of the elders uh, and how they're respected and everything like that. And so I really appreciate that that has been woven into our dialogue here today. 
Yeah, and I, I can say I can say something very personal. It's like uh, because sometimes people make comments about, let's say, people age to a point where they cannot. It doesn't look like they could contribute. Like let's say somebody has dementia or Alzheimer. But I have observed when I go back to Germany to visit my mother who has dementia late stage, and she's 96, and we gather in our large family. Uh, so I always bring the family together for large gatherings, and we have multiple meals in, in a row and still sitting outside on the farm and things like that. And my mother's in the middle. Her presence, her energy, everybody feels. It changes everything. It, it, there's, there's, there's a person, so each person contributes something different. And uh, even if you cannot have a conversation anymore, still the person gives an energy to, oh. to, to the person. And I feel that every time, if we only listen, to what we feel and that she's still there the warmth and her smile and her touch and and things and and so i, I just want to point this out we 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 make this cut off date when we say this is the person not worth living or this is not a life worth living anymore or not contributing anymore i don't think that's true i don't think from my own experience that's true i have such great appreciation for what you have just shared because I have had shows in the past where I have said everyone has a voice and everyone has a voice even when they don't speak and cannot speak and someone with dementia who is unable to speak and someone who is deaf and blind and incapable of speaking still has a voice and is able to share it. And so what you have just shared has got me like so emotional that you yeah. that you are able to feel her energy and receive it and honor her humanity and personhood is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and emotions have a lot to do with it, Holly, uh, because maybe the, the intellect doesn't work as well, the rational thinking the, and where speech, you know, is processed and things like that. However, the person, I can feel that she feels, that she feels when I touch her, when I, when I say something, she listens and that she, I can, I can pick up the, the, the energy, the emotions. In, in, in the facial expression in her eyes, no? And I, I wonder, if it, it's very important for us to understand that uh, as maybe people that are a little bit younger that are not there yet, but also if I think about my own aging, I want that for people that, are, that surround me to understand that I still have a voice. I might not be able to speak it anymore, but I might be able to express it in different ways and I, I'd like people to honor that, no? Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and I think that that is something that is so important that we acknowledge. And I think that's the cusp of your work is that really focus on the various different emotions and be open to them because we do hit system override, control, alt, delete when it comes to emotions. And you're saying, yeah. welcome them in and honor them. And this is a huge personal level uh, manner in which this would be done. 
Yes, and, and I would add to that, that uh, honoring them, and but also if they're not useful, if you are in a, like, you know, there's certain emotions that are not useful in that moment. We might be in fear where there's not real danger, but it's our mind makes, creates that, that threat that we are under. No, our threat system is activated. But to also uh, uh, learn how to shift to emotions that are more useful in that moment. Yes, right. and you were talking about that earlier in the show. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that we can learn that shift. We can now. That's why in in Aspire, I I focus on seven essential emotions, and the reason is because we like depending on which experts we talk to, but there's more than 250 emotions, which is very difficult to learn for somebody that has not learned it from you know as a child or in school or growing up and so on. So that's why I started with these seven that are essentials when if a leader learns them or anybody wants to create change, positive change, learns those, masters those, which can be learned. There are many of them we know already. Then everybody can be a change maker, positive yes. change maker. Yes. Well, I love that you have written this book. Uh, the hour goes so quickly, so impressed by the work and the beautiful gems that you're bringing the world. Is there anything that you want to share before we uh, end the hour together that you feel that we haven't covered? I I think that I want to give people um, one message is really, if you haven't found it yet, uh, find something that you deeply care about. That's the most important thing for you that you want to do in your life. It might be related to a specific person or to a group of people or to yourself, whatever it is. And and think about who who who's, who who's, who needs to be affected in terms of yourself and the people around you, and and think about that you can create change, you can influence a change in behavior. So in creating that change in that area that you deeply care about, that you can learn how to influence the behavior so that you can create that change you like to see. And I just want to. And when you learn that, you become confident and you become also more optimistic and it becomes like a spiraling up. It becomes better and better in terms of what you can do in that area. We are each empowered change agents. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending the hour with us. We so appreciate it. And we can't have the episode in without knowing how you age gratefully. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really, for, for me, it's, it's started uh, many, many years ago, maybe over 20 years ago, uh, when I was starting to think about it. And I really, for me, it has to do with purpose, finding purpose. I have found purpose in life, and it has to do with um, the impact on the world that I have, on the people that I care about. And that circle... I would say as I have been aging and continue to age, that circle of people I care about has been growing and growing and growing. And so it is purpose and having a positive impact on the world in terms of, so it, so it is um, that our children and grandchildren have a chance uh, to, to live a fulfilled life. So the boomerang effect, um, you send it out and it's returning to you. Um, it is, mm -hmm. it is. And that's a wonderful thing. I get. I, uh, I think every life I touch in terms of uh, can somehow make a positive difference uh, fulfills me in in a way not like saying oh I did it the people do it but I I I'm I'm a catalyst yes 
in that and and so i i get up every morning with uh, with excitement honestly i can say that uh, if i'm not sick or like have a flu or something <laughs> but yeah. i get up with excitement and i go to bed at night with fulfilled being feeling fulfilled tired but fulfilled <laughs> <laughs> well i can feel you exude empathy and compassion and goodness and uh, it's been a joy uh, to have you share your work and have you on the show with us it's really been an amazing hour so thank you so much we appreciate the work that you're bringing to the world thank you your book aspire seven essential emotions for leading positive change no matter where you are and listeners can find you at reinermom.com thank you so much for being with us today it's a pleasure holly holly it was a pleasure to talk to you same for us. You've been listening to Aging Gratefully. I'm your host, gerontologist Holly Kelly. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed our message, I invite you to subscribe and share it with others. May you remember to never act your age and that age is just a number. And may you enjoy and embrace the coming week in the spirit of gratitude. Until we meet again, here's to living your best life now. I used to think time was my enemy My future wasn't looking good So worried about the things I couldn't see I couldn't see the things I could I was aging fearfully Worrying my life away When all along I should have been Thankful for every day finally made a friend of time now you could say that i'm aging gratefully mm, aging gratefully